Well, it is Big 12 Media Days Week. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. And it's great to be here with you for another week, talking about everything going on around this conference. And this is kind of the, to me, unofficial start of the Big 12 football season. I love it. We get to talk about um, everything going on down in Dallas. We'll be down there this week, part of Big 12 Media Days. Myself, Derek Duke, Matthew Postens. We'll talk to Matthew later on in the show, and we just can't wait to be diving into all of this with you here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. And before we get it going, guys, please, a reminder, leave us a rating, review, subscribe to this podcast. We're getting closer to the season. We've got uh, 371, I believe it is, ratings on the podcast on iTunes. I want to get that number to 400. That's why I'm sending you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. When you leave me a rating and a review and send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. 372, actually, as I look it up. So love you guys for doing that. It'll take you 30 seconds. It helps us tremendously beat CBS, beat ESPN, beat The Athletic and the Big 12 podcasting rankings, and uh, we can't thank you enough for doing it. Thanks so much, guys. Now, let's start with the top five storylines that I'm watching here this week as we get the unofficial start of the season underway. Number one, a new man at Texas. You know, Steve Sarkeesian is now the head coach, taking over, of course, for Tom Herman, who got fired after blowing out Colorado in the Alamo Bowl. And uh, the more I look back on that time, the more I think I was shocked, by the way, absolutely shocked that Tom Herman got fired, especially after that huge win over Colorado. Like, that was just stunning to me. You kind of got a glimpse of Casey Thompson, B. John Robinson, the future that Tom Herman had recruited, and then he gets blown out. But after talking to more people, it really sounds like there was a lot happening behind the scenes that caught people off guard, that surprised them, um, and really didn't please them about how Tom Herman was handling things both on and off the field. And that may have led to his demise as head coach as much as anything else. So now Steve Sarkeesian comes in. Now, you might say, great hire, former Nick Saban assistant, you know, rising guy. Okay, but we also know that Things didn't end well for him at USC. He had to rebuild his image, rebuild his reputation, and now he walks into one of the biggest pressure cookers in the entire sport. That's not easy, all right? That's just, that's not an easy thing to do. So now you got to be thinking to yourself, okay, well, what is he supposed to do? How is he supposed to handle things? And what is he going to be like at media days? You know, one thing that Tom Herman was not great at was dealing with the media. That dates back to his time at Houston, all right? He just, he was not a great media guy. Now, when you win games, that doesn't matter, all right? Like, that's totally irrelevant. But if you're not winning games at the level that Texas wants to win them at, um, you're going to get criticized for that, okay? He ran a very tight ship from the standpoint of, you know, media access and, and whatnot. And once again, if you win games, you win Big 12 titles, that's okay. No one's going to say anything. If you don't, people are going to raise their eyebrows, they're going to ask questions, and they're going to, you know, uh, start critiquing that. We'll see what Steve Sarkeesian's like. How buttoned up is he? How close to the vest is he? How good is he with the media? Uh, That stuff matters. I mean, Mac Brown probably lasted longer as the Texas head coach than he would have had he not been great with the media and great with boosters. I mean, he was really good in both of those scenarios. I think Steve Sarkeesian's going to be better from what I can tell just through social media, 
than Tom Herman was, but it doesn't mean he's going to be great. Tom Herman was kind of aloof, and I don't get the sense Steve Sarkeesian is, but ultimately it comes down to one thing, and that is winning football games. The second biggest storyline I'm watching here in the Big 12 is Iowa State in the spotlight. You know, last year Iowa State was kind of like, well, if everything kind of clicks, the Cyclones can maybe make a run in a Big 12 title game, right? But they were still in that what-if phase. Yes, they were winning seven, eight games a year, and Matt Campbell was a rising star, but now they've arrived. They played for a Big 12 title. They're picked to be the number two team in the Big 12. So that means they're picked to play for a conference championship game. What does that look like for Matt Campbell now, going from the hunter to the hunted? That's a big difference. It's a very big difference when you talk about programs and teams and how they handle it and how coaches handle it and how you know uh, those teams react to it. That's what now Matt Campbell's dealing with with his guys. No one's going to be like, oh, here's cute little Iowa State showing up for a Saturday 11 a.m. kickoff. We'll just roll over them to a victory. You know, like those days are over. It's going to be the other way around. Now it's going to be, uh, you know, a lower-tier team coming to Ames, and Iowa State fans are going to say, yeah, we'll take care of them by a couple of touchdowns. Well, not so fast. They'd love to ruin your season, whoever they is, and you've got to be able to handle that. And we'll get the first glimpse into that from Matt Campbell and from the Iowa State Cyclones this week. So that's going to be really interesting to watch as well. Uh, The third biggest storyline I'm watching here is the Oklahoma pressure. Now, you might say, Pete, they've won four Big 12 titles. What do you mean the Oklahoma pressure? Well, here's what I mean by that. Yeah, they've always been picked to win a Big 12 title. And they drop a you know early regular season game, and then they make a run to the Big 12 title, and sometimes they get into the college football playoffs, sometimes they don't. And, you know, that's kind of the Oklahoma season the past half a decade. They've got the defense now to compete for a national championship. That's where this pressure is. If this team does not – you're at the point now with this Oklahoma team. I firmly believe that this team is not, not just in the playoff, but playing for a national championship. I don't think they have to win it, but playing for a national championship, you could qualify this as a disappointing season. With Spencer Rattler getting a year under his belt, this offense, of course, the guys that are in, you know, whether it's running back, wide receiver, rebuilding the offensive line with some solid players, the transfers you brought in, Morris on the line, Eric Ray at running back, both Tennessee guys, the defense as good as it's been in over a decade, Nick Benito, Perrion Winfrey, Isaiah Thomas, I mean, we could go on and on. This is the kind of year where Lincoln Riley, I don't think he's ever really, uh, he's always at least met expectations, right? He's made the college football playoff uh, three seasons. Uh, He didn't make it last year, but he won the Big 12 title, six straight for the program, uh, four straight for him as head coach, four and four years. But now it's like, all right, we got to get to a national title. What kind of pressure is that? It's different from the Iowa State pressure, but it's still an enormous, enormous amount of pressure. Even for a blue blood, you can feel that. Alabama deals with that every single year. If you're not playing and winning national titles, it's a bad year. This is the kind of year that based on the talent OU has, you can make that case. You can have that conversation. And now Lincoln Riley's got to do that this year, which is something, 
It's always been college football player for bust, but now it's a, a, another level. The fourth biggest storyline I'm watching in the Big 12 is the year threes. By that, I mean the year three head coaches in this conference that uh, are heading into pretty pivotal years for different reasons. You've got Chris Kleiman at Kansas State. You've got Matt Wells at Texas Tech and Neil Brown at West Virginia. These are all guys who have had, you know, depending on who you ask and which fan base you ask, uh, solid to decent amount of success, but no one has knocked the ball out of the park. I mean, Chris Kleiman, yes, he got the injuries last year, um, which resulted in that losing streak to end the season. Skylar Thompson goes down, everything else. but And he's beaten Oklahoma twice, which frankly has probably made the resume look better than it is in some cases. But now he's got year three. We're starting to see his recruits come to the program. What does that look like now for Chris Kleiman at Kansas State? At West Virginia, Neil Brown, same type of deal. You know, decent, decent, but having to rebuild the program. Dana Holgerson left the cupboard fairly empty. Not incredibly empty, but fairly empty. So he's rebuilding that. What does it look like here? And then Matt Wells, who probably has the hottest seat of anybody in this conference, um, just has not gotten it done to the level of expectations that fans have there in Lubbock. What does he do this year? What does his year look like? What are his expectations? So those year three guys are the ones that I'm keeping a very close eye on in terms of uh, how they are with the media, what kind of pressure they feel like they have, what they're going to say. Is it? Uh, is there a lot of anxiety around the players, around the coaches. These are all things that we're going to find out here as this week goes along. So the year three head coaches are all in very interesting spots. I mean, uh, Chris Klein is not going anywhere, just signed a new extension. Neil Brown, new extension, doing a great job on the recruiting trail. He's totally fine as well. Heck, Auburn was potentially interested in him, maybe Tennessee. So Wells is the only one I'm kind of concerned on, but Kleiman and Neil Brown also want to be able to say, hey, year three, we're making strides. Here's how and here's why. So that is something that is worth considering. And then the fifth biggest storyline I'm watching here for Big 12 Media Days this week, Lance Leipold's introduction. All right, Lance Leipold, new Kansas head coach, takes over for uh, Les Miles, who was uh, canned or whatever. They parted ways, whatever you want to use for the feel-good term that uh, (laughs) places use these days. So that's something where I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, what is this guy all about? I mean, he's won, what, six national titles at the D3 level at Wisconsin-Whitewater. That's great. It's all well and good. Uh, what does that mean? You know, he had some solid success at Buffalo. But now you're taking over the worst Power 5 program in the sport. In the sport, you're taking over the worst Power 5 program. That is a disaster. It's a total disaster. And this is going to take a Bill Snyder-esque rebuild to turn this thing around. It would be, if you get this place into a, if you get this program into a decent place, it will be the greatest rebuild since Bill Snyder at K-State, you know, 30 years ago. That's the challenge ahead for Lance Leipold. I I want to know what this guy's like. I think back to Les Miles' first press conference, what, three years ago. And it was so weird and so awkward. And I guess two years ago. And I don't want to see a repeat of that for Lance Leipold for his own sake and for the program's sake. So there's your top five storylines heading into Big 12 Media Days. I'm Pete Mundo. More with you coming up next. It is Big 12 Media Days week. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. And 
Let's welcome on a guy who's going to be down there at Big 12 Media Days, and that is Matthew Postens. Of course, he'll be joining us, providing lots of insights on the site throughout the week as well. Matthew, great to have you on. Uh, you know, we missed this last year, obviously, due to COVID. So it's just nice to kind of have the band back together, have this sense of normalcy as well, and then uh, get to talk to some of the coaches, the athletes. And, uh, you know, it's really a testament to how far we've come in many ways. So what are you most looking forward to here as we head down to Dallas? Uh, I, I think the thing I'm most looking forward to is just, you know, seeing you and seeing all my colleagues that cover the Big 12. I mean, I I took the I kind of took the year off, honestly, from going to games. I didn't go to a football game until the spring. I didn't go to a basketball game during Big 12 play. Um, you know, being not being able to be there in person kind of sucks, if we're just being totally honest. Yeah. So uh, just the fact of, of being around uh, the, the journalists and the TV people that cover this conference and getting the chance to see coaches and players again in person – uh, seeing you guys in person, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it. It really, it really is, like you said, it really just shows how far we've come against this pandemic over the past year. That we're able to do this, that we're able to do it safely, uh, that we're able to do it in you know some semblance of a way we used to do it, and and hopefully it just gets better from there. Yeah. Now on the field, Matthew, you know I, I ran through um, kind of the top five storylines that I'm watching this week, and I'll just give them to you in order. Uh, new man of Texas in Steve Starkeesian. Um, Iowa State being the hunted, not the hunter. Uh, the pressure on the Oklahoma Sooners to win a national championship. The year three coaches that are kind of all in different places right now. And Matt Wells, Chris Kleiman, and Neil Brown. And then the Lance Leipold introduction to the Power Five. Uh, what are some of the ones, maybe it's one of those that you're really eyeing this week. But what else are you keeping an eye on here as we get going? Uh, that's a lot of fun stuff right there. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those are really good storylines as we go through the conference. I think a couple of things that I'm also interested in is, you know, Dave Aranda has done some really great work on the recruiting trail the last month or so. Now, that that's for 2022, and that's not necessarily going to translate to this year. But I'm curious to see how much improvement Baylor makes this year, given that they've now had a full cycle with him as the head coach, a full in-person off-season program, even with the departure of Charlie Brewer. I think there's a chance that this Baylor team could be, you know, a little bit better than we're expecting going into this season. And I, I'm interested to see how high he is on his Bears, you know, talking to, to Colin Galvin and Terrell Bernard about, you know, how high they are on the team. And, and then, you know, with TCU, you know, we, we've kind of had this discussion off and on about you know where is TCU right now are they are they a a a power in this conference are they you know reliably a contender or are they a team that is kind of on this fence of being good and 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 not so good and I, and I feel like it's all about the quarterback if you look at the years that they've been really good in the Big 12 they've had the quarterback um you know the last couple of years they've been I think 18 and 17 and they've had trouble at quarterback and that's what makes Max Duggan so important to them. And he's going to be at Big 12 Media Days this week. And I'm looking forward to, to listening to what he has to say and where he's at in his development. Because if you're thinking about TCU and whether they can be a contender in this conference this year, he's going to be the difference between whether they are or whether they're not. You know, I think that's so true. And I, I also uh, just want to see kind of how the offense has progressed. Uh, when I think about whether or not TCU has a chance to be that that dark horse and 
where this program is. I mean, is there another team? I think this is really a two-team race in the Big 12, which we haven't had in a long time. We talk about how it's Oklahoma and then who's number two. I think it's a pretty clear one-two with Oklahoma and Iowa State. Uh, Do you feel that way? And if not, who else should be in that conversation? I, I do, too. I, I feel like Iowa State is as talented as it has been in my lifetime, if we're just being honest. I can't think of a year in which I've gone into the season thinking to myself, Iowa State could win 10 games. And they've never won 10 games before, I don't believe. I think they won nine last year. I don't, I don't think they've ever won 10 games in a single season. Um, they won nine games last season for the first time in 20 years. So this is the most talented team that they have they've had in my lifetime i feel like they are very much a contender very much oklahoma's equal let's just throw that word out there i know we talk about oklahoma being one of the best teams every year but both of these teams are top 10 teams so whenever they play in the regular season that very well could be a prelude to that to the uh, big 12 championship game i think texas has the potential to be really good i think oklahoma state has the potential to be really good but I, I think consistently week in and week out, OU and ISU are going to be the two teams we're watching throughout the season. Yeah. Um, when I look at the bottom of the conference, you mentioned Baylor maybe being better than people expected. I, I agree, and I'm intrigued to see you know what some of the coaches say. I, if you look at the hot seat, though, I mean, Dave Aranda's not on it in year two. That was a tough spot mm-hmm. he was put in as a first-year head coach. To me, it's got to be Matt Wells um, in terms of the, the hottest seat. I, I think there's a big drop-off after that. What should we keep an eye on with, with Matt Wells in terms of, you know, seeing how much heat he might be feeling? Yeah, you know, that, that job is so – it's just a difficult job because, you know, Leach set, set such a high standard for that job when he was there. I mean, you know, when I was growing up, Spike Dykes was the head coach there. He was a really good head coach, and he did some really good things in Lubbock. But, I mean, Mike Leach took them to another level. And since he has left, that program has progressively – regressed over time um you know i feel like matt wells is a good head coach i saw him coach at utah state a couple of times i was really impressed with what he was able to do with that program um but you know if you coach at a program like texas tech which is you know not a program that gets a lot of national attention you've got to coach and recruit with a chip on your shoulder and they they just haven't done that the last couple of years then the problem has always been defense their defense does not need to be elite it just needs to be good, but it cannot be eighth or ninth in the Big 12 giving up 30 or 40 points a game if you want this offense to be competitive. They've got a really good quarterback in Tyler Show, uh, the, the transfer from uh, Oregon. Shock, shock. Uh, the uh, Texas Tech fans shock, are going to jump on you. They jumped on me already. Sorry. Oh, well. No, that's okay. Yeah, that's sorry. all right. We love our Tech fans, <laughs> but they're going to jump on you, Matthew. That's fine. But, I mean, the thing is this. I know we talk about competition. He's going to be the starter. Yeah. You know, and, and he and he should be the starter there. Yep. And, and if he can elevate that offense, that's going to make them much better across the board. But their defense, it just it has to get better. It just has to get better, or else this team is never going to be anything more than a, a six and six bowl team year in and year out. If if that's why you hired Matt Wells, then you got to start seeing it on the field this year because he's had two full cycles to recruit. Are they going to have the talent? to to show that on the field this year that's the real question i yeah i i think that those are uh very legitimate questions and concerns now i i look around the conference this week and you know always think about the head coaches that we enjoy talking to to me matthew i mean no one's better than than mike gundy i i love lincoln riley i mean he's a hell of a head coach 
But he's just, I mean, he's just cliche, coach a soundbite after coach a soundbite. Mike Gundy's my guy, but I think Gary Patterson might be number one. It's a close one-two for me talking to Gary Patterson or Mike Gundy. Uh, Patterson with the insight, very one-on-one, very analytical, won't beat around the bush, won't cliche coach speak you. And then Gundy's Gundy. Uh, who are who are the guys that you like talking to the most at these things? Uh, you know, those two guys are a lot of fun. If you can get Gundy talking about farming, you can go for 10 minutes and not <laughs> talk about football at all. He'll, he's happy to talk to you about being out on the farm every day. Yeah. And with Patterson, what's great about Patterson is you're absolutely right. You ask him a good, nuanced football question, he's going to give you a good, nuanced answer that's really low on the coach speak. But if you ask him a question that's a little off the wall, he's going to question you about the question. He, he, he gives it back to you a little bit, which can be kind of fun if you're not prepared to talk to him. Um, you know, I like, you know, I, I like talking to, you know, I, I like talking to Matt Campbell too, because I know Matt Campbell's really low key, but he, he gives you a lot of good stuff, especially if you're asking him about players or you're asking him about his history. He's very happy to talk to you about his time at Mount Union as a player and a coach. I mean, that's where he, you know, came up the coaching ranks before he went to Toledo. Um, he's really good about kind of giving you his backstory, you know, why he came to Iowa State, why he stays, that kind of thing. I mean, he's kind of in that cliche territory, but he will give you some good stuff, you know, if you ask him the right question. With all these coaches, you know, for all of us who deal with them in the media every day, you got to ask them the right question. And, you know, a lot of times some of our questions are kind of lacking, if we're just being totally honest. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Matthew Poston's our guest, Big 12 Media Days is right around the corner this week. Can't wait for it. Matthew, great to have you on, man. We'll uh, talk to you soon. The season's getting close. Can't wait. You bet. We're getting it going. Big 12 Media Days is coming up here, baby. And uh, please join us. We'll have a lot of great content this week. And we've got 372 ratings on iTunes. I want to get to 400 by the season kickoff. You can help do it right now. Leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes for this podcast, and I'll send you a free koozie with our logo on it. The only way you can get it, you can't buy it. You can only get it by leaving a rating and a review, and then send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we'll get a koozie in the mail for you guys. That's how we beat the big dogs. You guys are the best, and we'll talk to you soon.